This is Sydney. And I'm Cher. And each week we get together to share with you a message of hope. It is through our own study and our personal experiences that we offer the reminder to not only seek the light, but be the light. You can find peace and there is hope. And as long as one of us is slightly caffeinated, there will be laughter. Today's episode is the power of prayer. Hallelujah. And we're so glad you're here. I'm forging my way through the tip, tip, top. I'm living my life through the drip, drip, drop. Today we're going to talk about the power of prayer. So Sydney, why don't you take it away? I was thinking, do I pray a lot or do I plead all of the time? Like while I'm driving, because I just feel strongly that whoever is in the beginning of the traffic line and they get a green arrow, they should be paying attention. And I plead that they're paying attention and they will go. I just plead a lot that I won't feel road rage is one of the things that I plead for. So I spend a lot of time praying, pleading. Does it work with the road rage? (sighs) You know, I think I might need to repent a little bit and become better. (laughs) It's not me. (laughs) It's the other drivers. Right. Nothing's your fault. I also plead that my gray will stop coming in, that my kids won't wake me up at night. I plead to never age. How's it working out for you? None of it's working out. So power of what? (laughs) Didn't work for me either. (laughs) Maybe I need to change my prayers. (laughs) But I was thinking that you can't really talk about prayer without talking about revelation. I was reading Elder Bednar's talk. By reading, of course, I mean, I was listening to it in audio. (laughs) I was listening to read to me. (laughs) I think it's great that you listen to it. I think that's a good way to go. I'm multitasking. Yeah, I think it's great. I'm road raging while I listen to an audio (laughs) book. Multitasking, pleading to God to make the person pay attention and go. All right, let's do the spiritual quote now. (laughs) So Elder Bednar, he does a beautiful job talking about what prayer is and what revelation is. So I'm going to read that to you. Simply stated, prayer is communication to Heavenly Father from His sons and His daughters on earth. As soon as we learn the true relationship in which we stand toward God, namely, God is our Father and we are His children, then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. We are commanded to pray always to the Father in the name of the Son. We are promised that if we pray sincerely for that which is right and good and in accordance with God's will— We can be blessed, protected, and directed. Now, his definition of revelation is, revelation is communication from Heavenly Father to His children on earth. As we ask in faith, we can receive revelation upon revelation and knowledge upon knowledge and come to know the mysteries and peaceable things that bring joy and eternal life. I really love that. It's just a simple prayer is us talking to God. Revelation is God talking to us. And I was thinking about this. I feel like I find it, for me, it's as a mother. I've had so many times where I've had very strong impressions to do something or not do something. And then later, even years later, figured out why. For example, when Iana was a baby, we had to keep her on a NICU schedule, which meant she had to be up every three hours to make sure she had the nutrition that she needed. And just because I'm feeling honest and raw right now, I was a miserable human to be around. And I think that point is important because I still received some revelation, even being the most miserable human that I've ever been. (laughs) It shows that God loves us even when we're miserable. Yes, entirely miserable to be around. So I remember that because I had an iPhone by then, and it's very easy to be feeding your baby and look at your iPhone. I did a lot of shopping 
at that time in my life. Groupon was bigger deal. Do you remember? Did you ever buy anything off Groupon? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, yeah. let me tell you, every single day we had something show up from Groupon. <laughs> Ben's like, why do we have these new pots and pans? I was like, well, they're 37% off. <laughs> There's only four hours left. <laughs> so anyway, that year my brother got the most random presents that you could ever get because I didn't know what to do with some of the stuff that I bought at 4 a.m., you know? Yeah, you're being resourceful. Well, thank you for calling it that. My husband had different words, but whatever. <laughs> so I remember distinctly feeling and hearing Put your phone down. And I do believe probably due to financial future worries if I didn't stop. But also I just kept remembering to look at my daughter and put my phone down. Look at your baby. Put your phone down. It was just a repeated thing. And I do spend a lot of time praying to be a suitable mom. Like mid. (laughs) Sure, my kids are going to need some therapy, but not for like years. Just like the little tidy up therapy, but not like I ruined their whole life. So I spent a lot of time praying to be a good, decent, suitable mother. And I would always have this prompting to put my phone down, pay attention to her, even at midnight, even at four, it didn't matter. It would happen every single time if I picked up my phone, it was put the phone down. So I would, even if she had her eyes shut, she would occasionally look up at me, close her eyes again. And it was very sweet. I always thought, looking back, because she's seven now, that I can vividly see her little eyes look up at me. And what a blessing it is that I was paying attention to her. And it wasn't until recently that the studies have come out that have said that when you're looking at your phone and not paying attention to your children, it is creating a distance. It's showing your children that your face looks indifferent while you're scrolling. And the studies are showing that the baby's that are looking at their parents when they're looking at something else is making them feel unimportant or their parents are indifferent. So I did pray and I did receive answers and it was such a simple little thing. I really love that story because if you're praying for something, God is going to answer your prayer, but he doesn't always answer it the way you're expecting or the way you want. And then when you do listen, you might not find out for a year, three years, 10 years, why that happened. And I think God has a different way of communicating to all of us. I feel like we've had a lot of practice with this topic the last couple of days, because when did you start preparing for this episode? Interesting enough, I was listening to a talk about something entirely different, and I had an impression that we should do this topic for the beginning of the year. And how many days ago was that? That was a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And Sydney texted me and she was like, I think we should do this. And I was like, okay, great. So we've had this on the agenda and we've both started doing some research and praying about it. And what should we talk about? And we actually got together yesterday and did this episode. And near the end, Sydney had to leave because she had carpool. Yes. And then I was getting a series of text messages that I was just glancing at them, but they were disrupting me quite a bit. And then I had this distinct thought that said, you need to just end this episode right now and just finish it tomorrow. But I'm like, oh, we're almost done. Let's just keep going. So we did. Because we're not procrastinating in 2024. Right. right. So we just powered through, even though we were in a hurry and we had to go and all this chaos started happening. And then Sydney had to hurry and run out the door. And I had this thought again that said, don't walk Sydney to the door. Just stay here and finish what you're doing. But I didn't. I walked Sydney to the door. And go ahead, Sydney. What were you thinking? Well, I was thinking she should not walk me to the door. (laughs) And I had the thought to say to you, okay, Cher, don't delete this one. 
But the thought was so <laughs> fleeting and I was in such a rush and I was thinking about what mean things would middle schoolers say to me if I showed up late. And I had so many other thoughts, but I did hear it. I did think it. It did come to me. And I said nothing. And when I thought, don't walk me upstairs to the door like you don't need to, I thought in my head, I justified it like, oh, maybe you actually do need to go upstairs. And so I didn't say anything. You didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. We literally spent... Oh, 45 minutes, an hour talking about prayer and listening to answers. I said in that episode, heaven help me. I said, I'm so good at this. Okay. It's more natural for me. And I said I was bad at it. You were honest. I kept up my end of the And deal. God humbled me because what happened? Well, I walked you to the door. I came back downstairs and then I looked at my text messages. I became extremely distracted. And then I proceeded to erase everything that we did. Yes, you erased all of it. All of it. For the sake of me learning a lesson. I'm not good at it, okay? I'll say it out loud. I'll say it, God. I'm terrible. <laughs> so we've learned that we needed this episode. And I'm than- not as good as I thought. So humble. What confidence. We got- Between God and my children, what confidence. <laughs> We got slapped with the humble stick. That's what happened. So I apologize that I erased everything and I apologize that I didn't listen. But I feel because of that, we are redoing this and we are going to actually listen to the advice that we are going to talk about today. Right. And just because we've spent time recording this once doesn't mean it will be any better. So that's just (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up. That was very, very important part. There was one good thing that came from this share. What? Yesterday, I talked about a new hero of mine, and I was only about an hour into his book. I now am an hour and 45 minutes into the book because I got to listen to some more of it. And that was exciting because I just, oh, I love this person so much. I'm very excited to find a new person to study. His name is George Mueller. I stumbled across his book called Answers to Prayer. Every word he writes is so beautiful. My soul is on fire. So far, I have like an hour left. So if it goes downhill, it goes downhill. I don't know yet. That's to be determined. Can I stop you for a second? Yes. I loved everything you taught about George Mueller yesterday. This time, I think we both should listen to his advice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but I'm excited to relearn because this time I'm really going to pay better attention. The irony. The irony. We're hilarious. (laughs) Our life is a circus. Enjoy the circus. So George Mueller was an evangelist in the 1800s. Side note, he and Titus share the same birthday, which I thought was cool. And he is known by many modern day preachers. I've realized through YouTube interviews that he inspired so many people to become ministers in their own way, which was really cool to listen to their own testimony of the example and life that George Mueller lived. He's especially known for starting orphanages and also for the way he prayed and the answers that he got through his prayers. His faith was near knowledge. There was no room in his life for doubt because of the simple, like the quote said before, it's just line upon line, knowledge upon knowledge. It's a process. So let me tell you about him. Before he opened up an orphanage, he said he spent the first two weeks, once he had this thought in his head, praying to God. His prayers were, am I the right person to do this? This is the right thing to do. There's a need for it. I have a desire for it, but am I equipped to be the tool used by God to bring this to pass? And it was, should I do this? 
And then he was reading in Psalms 81, verse 10, and his prayers would change after this. And something I just adore about this man is the way that he studied the scriptures, but then pondered on them and then prayed about them. He brings them to life in his life, and you could see that. And I feel a difference, truly, for my relationship with the scriptures and with prayer and going to God because of listening to his words. He was so intentional with everything he did. He was thoughtful. He spent time doing it. He made time for quiet, and he made time to listen to God. And because of that, his testimony of prayer is just beautiful. And in Psalms 81, verse 10, it says, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. And George Mueller at this time said to himself, I will open up my mouth wide, and I will let you fill it. And what that meant to him was that he needed to be more specific with his prayers. He no longer needed to ask, should I do this? He needed to ask for the things that he needed to do it. And so he got extremely specific, and he gives dates, and he writes articles, and he says, on December 5th, That's the day he changed his prayers because of that scripture and pondering on it. And his prayers went from, should I do this? To, this is what I can offer. This is what my heart desires. And I feel it is right. And I feel like it's aligned with thy will. What I need from you is money. I need a place for the children. I need furniture. And I need people who are willing to give their time and means to help serve the orphans, those who are worthy to do it, those who will love the children. So it was only two days later, December 7th, when he would receive his first letter from a couple who would say that they felt strongly that they needed to, if it was acceptable for George Mueller, offer their services, that they would want no salary, but they felt capable and called to love the children that would come to the orphanage. And not only that, but they would also like to donate all of the furniture that they had. And then it would be a few days later that another couple would offer all of their furniture. And time after time in the next few weeks and months, everything he specifically asked for, he would receive. What I'm finding interesting in the book, though, is that he talks about, though he's receiving all the things he's asked for, how difficult the times were. And his attitude towards it was so beautiful. He said, how grateful am I to be poor and to be constantly in a state of need because I get to see the Lord providing for me day after day, moment after moment. If he had everything he needed, he wouldn't see that. But because he was in such great need and he knew he could only rely on God and he would say, I understand what I am asking is impossible for myself to do. It's impossible for my associates to do, but I do know without a doubt, it is not impossible for the Lord. And that is what he lived by. There's a modern day minister, Paul Washer, who was greatly influenced by George Mueller. Something he said that I love so much is the words that George Mueller spoke once were, God honors prayers. And he saw that in his life. He was put in an opportunity to see it. And that is how he saw it. He said, I am here. I'm humble. I am poor. I am constantly in need because God loves me so much. He wants to show me that he will provide for me and that he will constantly provide for me. Then one day, Paul Washer had a woman, this lady, this tough woman who was in the military. She was a nurse and she was retired at this time. And she just walked up to him and she said this, general praying will harvest general answers. 
specific praying brings specific answers in which you can see the power of God. Wow. That lady, I can't believe she would just walk up and say that to somebody. Good I for would her. Do that. I'd say anything to anybody, <laughs> inspired or not. <laughs> Let me share some thoughts that are in my head. That's why I started Twitter when it was popular. <laughs> I could just tell people what I'm thinking all of the time. <laughs> Okay, to wrap this up, something that I also loved that he said was that in George Mueller's house, he had two ruts in the wooden floor by his bed where he prayed. Holy cow. Beautiful person. I do not know if he's been canceled or what his future looks like. So if he's canceled and everyone listening is like, how dare you? He was in the Illuminati. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know either. Let's just pretend he's not canceled. Okay. I love him. That is so incredible. Really, it truly is so incredible to be that in tune with the Lord and want to talk to him like that. Like the quote said from Elder Bednar, how you're praying and talking to Heavenly Father. And then in return, he's going to send us revelation. Obviously, he was praying and then listening for an answer. I know sometimes often I'll pray, but then I don't listen for an answer. I just run out the door. Right. And something else he said that I really appreciated was, He said, I'm not set apart or special to receive answers. He said that if he lost any small item, he would kneel and pray and he would find it. And it was a steady learning process. If he needed food for the children, he would pray and it would be provided. If he needed some money for the children, that would be provided. It was time after time after time to eventually get to the point where he didn't know how the prayer would be answered but he knew it would be. He didn't know when it would be answered, but he knew it would be. Not only that, but he felt like if it wasn't answered for a period of time, it was by the grace of God to improve their faith because he would come through, but are you willing to patiently wait for him? And if you are, then how blessed is your faith? What an incredible example. So obsessed. I want to be him when I grow up. That's amazing. Yeah. I think it's fun when you find someone that really does impact your life and changes your thinking. And he's doing that for me. Oh, that's awesome. I have an hour left. I can't wait. (laughs) Something that you said right at the end made me think of how he would pray. And if it wasn't answered right away, he would patiently wait. And I think that is so hard. One of the things I thought of is sometimes when I pray, because I admit that I'm not the best at listening. But one of the things that I realize that I really need to do is I have to pray and then I have to give myself time to think about it, to recognize the spirit and what God is trying to tell me. I think the number one thing, though, at least for me, is that when you're trying to pray, but you're just not feeling it, it's not connecting, that the number one thing for me is to recognize that. Because often I'm just in a habit and say the prayer, blah, da, 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 and then run off. But I need to stop and recognize the reason that I'm not connecting with God is because I am not taking the time to do that, to make it work. I really need to make sure that I spend time by myself. My favorite thing is to be outside, but sometimes that's not feasible. But I love to be by myself, listening to music, and just taking time to calm down. We've talked about having a sacred space or a place that you go to meditate I don't know if I really am meditating, but I am focusing on, it's usually a topic. So if I want to learn more about prayer, I need to be by myself, listening to positive music, and then creating that atmosphere that's going to help me so that I'm able to learn about prayer and receive that revelation, what God is trying to tell me. I need that time. 
And if I don't do that, then I don't hear it because it is hard for me. I don't listen as we've all learned, but I try and I'm working on it and I know what I need to do. So I need to take that time to make sure that happens. One of the things that I did is I read an article by Brittany Beatty and it was entitled, What If My Prayers Don't Seem to Be Answered? She brought up this scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and Jesus says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Well, what if you do that and then nothing happens? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. When I was saying that I was good at receiving answers, there really was some backing there. When I was growing up, there was a moment when my family stopped going to church. And I remember in that moment thinking, wait, that's an option. I don't have to go. And I remember hearing, it is not an option for you. And from there, I went with my grandfather or by myself. And that was a very young age when this would start. Because of this, I became very close to my heavenly father because I relied on him. I didn't go home and have family prayer. It was if I prayed, it was me. And that has blessed my life from the beginning. So I've lived my whole life feeling like if I pray, then I get answers. I've seen it happen just like George Mueller, these small little answers that keep coming eventually. It has strengthened my testimony of prayer and answers to prayer. And I've had this my entire life until I went through postpartum depression. And some people feel numbness when they go through depression and deep rage. It was that one. (laughs) Back to the being a miserable person. It was all connected. And so I remember that I was so desperate to feel like myself and I could not. I just felt so angry and so rageful and I couldn't get a grip on it. And I remember I'd go to prayer because that's what's always worked before. And I would pray. And it felt like heaven had kicked me out. They closed the windows and shut the door and pulled the rug from me and said, your time's up. <laughs> Get out of here. And no matter what I did, no matter how hard I prayed, I felt nothing. I felt no presence, no guidance, no answers. I used some of that inner rage towards God at this time because I thought, hey, I've stayed faithful when I had an opportunity to not. I've stayed true and I've read my scriptures and I've made the good choices and now I'm alone. I just felt betrayed. And my answer to this was, I'll just stop praying. There's nobody there anyway. None of this is true. I'm angry and nobody will help me and I'm done. So I stopped praying. About this time when I was becoming my peak angry person, Ben was noticing there were some issues and he encouraged strongly that I would reach out to my doctor, but no, no, not me. (laughs) I would not. So that man who sometimes in my life is a pure saint and angel called my doctor and he said, Hey, for the love of everything good, will you please help her? (laughs) I cannot do this anymore. And so my doctor's office called me and they said, Hey, will you come in for a checkup? Freaking psycho. Just kidding. They didn't say that. That's what I thought I heard. (laughs) And so I did, I went in And I talked to my doctor. I told him how I had been feeling, what was going on. And he said it was very common after the NICU or hospital stays or just babies to have postpartum depression or, in my case, rage, anxiety, and all of the things. And he suggested that if I was not going to take medication, then to go see a therapist. And I did not want to at all, but I could see that I was having some issues and asking Ben for a divorce every single day was not working out. (laughs) So I thought maybe we'll try a therapist before a divorce lawyer would be good. And so I did go to a therapist 
And I do believe she was the right person for me. I only saw her once and that was what I needed. She was not a religious woman. And that was important because I feel like if it was a very religious person and they told me to pray again, I would be like, get out of here with your card again and homemade maple syrup. I don't want to hear that crap. Take your casserole and leave. It's my office now. (laughs) But she wasn't like that. She wasn't someone who had prayed. And I do think that was divine for me and to hear this from her. And she said, what did you do before that helped you? And I said, well, before, back when I believed in God, I would pray and I would feel good and I'd get answers to my prayers. And now I feel nothing. It's dark. It's empty. It's the worst. And she said, listen, you need to do all of the things that worked for you before. And I said, but they don't work anymore. And she said, that doesn't matter. If it worked before, it will work again. And George Mueller, he talks about this. He said, sometimes you just have to, actually, this is a teaching in the gospel that sometimes you have to stand still and wait. Are you willing to do that? Because at the time I obviously wasn't, I was like, I will keep going and not wait and I will not listen and I'm done. I feel like God put me in this position because if you choose faith, you are choosing trials because we are choosing to be stretched and there's a reward for that, but you have to go through the work for first. I went back home and I did start praying again. And when I felt again in my life, the light of God, it was brighter than it had ever been before. It was more whole and it was more healing than it had ever been before. I felt like God said to me, I have been by your side since you were a little girl. I want to see what you're going to do. Are you going to fight for your faith? Because it's been right here for you. I've made it kind of easy. Are you going to fight for it when it's not right there? And because he put me up against a wall that way, I had an opportunity to say, I will fight for it. This does matter to me. It is important to me. And it was the same with my marriage, which was also a great blessing for both of us. Do you want to fight for this person? Do you want to fight for this marriage? I'm giving you an opportunity to fight. And when I said, yes, I do want to fight for this, I got to work and I fought and the reward has been more glorious than I could have ever imagined. And there is no other way to get to this point except for choosing to fight. I'm so glad that you shared that because if you really want something, it doesn't matter what it is, you need to fight for it. You need to work for it. God is our father and he loves us. He's going to push us and stretch us because as his child, He wants each and every one of us to grow. And so he wants us to work so that we actually can see that potential that's in us. If it's too easy, like you said, then we take advantage of it. If you have to work for it, you learn to appreciate it more. You learn to love it more. You're more grateful for it. So I'm so glad that you shared that. And we're willing to fight for this episode because we're redoing it since we didn't listen yesterday. Uh, That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait for future mistakes together. (laughs) That's right. Okay. So going back to Brittany Beatty's talk, she actually lists some advice about what we can do if we're just not feeling it to help us fight for it, to help us feel that revelation that God is trying to give us. The first thing she said is we need not wonder if God will answer our prayers and can instead focus our energy on looking for his hand and guidance in our lives, knowing that he does answer every prayer. So God has promised that he will answer all of our prayers, but he's going to do it in a way that's going to help us grow the most. 
So it might not be the way we want or in the time period that we want, but if we are looking for God's hand, we will find it. Just like Sydney was explaining, she wasn't looking for God's hand, but it took somebody else, someone from the outside to realize you need to start doing that again. So once you started doing that, then you started seeing the miracles and the revelations. So she listed seven things to consider when you feel like you're not connecting in your prayers. The first thing she said is to trust that God wants what is best for you. He will answer in his own way and time that will help you grow and develop the most. The second thing is study it out and seek specific direction. That's exactly what you were saying that George Mueller did. And also she points out that President Nelson taught that the Lord loves effort. We can't expect answers if we're not willing to put in the work. And that's what you did. You fought for it. You're like, okay, something is off. Things aren't working. I'm going to fight for it. And that's what God wants from us. He loves it when we put in the effort because then we appreciate it more. The third thing on the list is be open to multiple possibilities. She explained that Elder Scott taught how prayers to be healed can be answered in many ways. Elder Scott said, it is important to understand that his healing can mean being cured or having your burdens eased or even coming to realize that it is worth it to endure to the end patiently for God needs brave sons and daughters who are willing to be polished when in his wisdom, that is his will. And that is so hard. It is so hard to wait patiently and to be willing to be polished. That is so difficult because we want something. And sometimes just like your real parents, the answer is no. And you don't understand why, but eventually you will. It's just not in the time period that we want. I like that one because I think somewhere we've created this idea that once you choose to follow God, your life is going to be easy breezy. But it's saying that we choose to be polished and choosing to be polished is not a beautiful process. It's a tough one. I don't know if you ever had one of those tumblers for rocks that you would put the rocks in and you just get beat up until you're polished. That's what happened to those rocks. That's what we're choosing. And so I don't know where we decided that if we choose to follow God, everything's easy breezy because it's not. It's not. But Oh, the glory. Exactly. Anything that is beautiful and glorious is worth the fight. Back to the list. We've already kind of hit this one. The fourth one is humbly accept a no. So if it's a no. Move on. I don't want this one. I'm not (laughs) accepting this answer. This is now a list of six. We'll move on to number four then, which is really five. Remember that God (laughs) honors agency. This one's tough too. She said that some answers we pray for may require us to first use our agency and act in faith before receiving an answer. This made me think of something that you said in a previous episode, which is when you talked about the children of Israel, the Red Sea didn't just part. They had to actually get in the water Will you just remind us of that story? Yeah, the story is from the Midrash. And there is a young man who is one of the first to go into the Red Sea. And his faith was so grand that he was the first to step in before the water had parted. And he first got in up to his ankles and then up to his knees and then up to his waist and then all the way up to his nose before the water began to part. The story is that his faith was so great in God that he knew he could keep going all the way up to his nose and that eventually God would make the move. That's how great his faith was. I love that story because, again, that goes back to what you were talking about. You have to work for it. You have to fight for it. You have to have the faith for it. But you need to do the action, and then God will answer your prayers because he wants to push us so we can be polished better. 
Right. Because what we are willing to work for, what we are willing to fight for is what is actually important to us. That's excellent. Well said. She also points out that other people have their agency. If somebody is doing something that's impacting you, you can pray and pray and pray and pray, but that person still has their agency. So what she suggested is rather than pray that that person changes, pray that you will be changed, that you will become more patient, that you will be able to bear that burden. I know that in the classroom that oftentimes, I mean, those kids, those middle school kids, they're not changing. It was the same thing every year. They're not changing. That's funny. I was thinking of myself. I was like, yeah, Ben, listen to this. You're not changing my ways. Your socks will never be folded. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So (laughs) I would often have to go just like apparently Ben is going to need to do. I would have to often just pray that I would have the patience to deal with middle school kids or that Ben can deal with Sydney either way. I think he does do that and I'm okay with it. <laughs> do what you need to do, honey. <laughs> but that is important because you need to be the one that can deal with that situation. And it's important to accept that. Super hard to do though and very difficult at times, but God gives everyone their agency. Everyone gets to make their own choices. The sixth one is be worthy to receive revelation. She pointed out that being worthy doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. Elder Kevin Pearson said that God always wants to hear from you. And if you have the thought in your head to pray, that's coming from the Holy Spirit telling you, yes, please turn to God. Parents want to hear from their children. They want to talk to their children. They want to know what's going on. They want to help. They want to hear from them. God wants to hear from us. God wants to know how we're doing. He wants to know how he can help us. He wants to send us that personal revelation. So if you have that thought, that desire to pray, that is the Holy Spirit saying, yes, pray. But if you have the thought come into your head that says, no, don't pray. You're not good enough. You've done too many things that are too horrible. You shouldn't pray. That's Satan. Satan wants you to not pray. If you have those negative thoughts come into your head, know that's from Satan. That is not what God wants and pray. And a desire could be the tiniest seed. And trust me, I'm talking from experience because I was thinking, did I have a desire to pray when my therapist told me to? I didn't really. And I can't say that my first prayer was especially lovely. It was like, hey, God, it's me. (laughs) Notice you've been missing. (laughs) So the Lord really does love effort. And I did put forth effort. Was there a desire there? Probably somewhere deep in my soul but it was tiny and the Lord blessed it and then it grew. So I think it's important to understand that sometimes you may not feel a desire, but if you're even a little bit thinking somewhere there's a desire and that's okay if it's small, the Lord loves effort. Yeah, that's perfect. He does want that effort. And the seventh one is to keep praying and hold on to faith. This reminded me of two of my favorite things, which is Ether chapter 12, verse six, which is one of my very favorite scriptures. It says, faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. Wherefore, dispute not because ye see not, for ye receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. This goes back to what you were talking about with the children of Israel. The young man had so much faith that he knew the seas were going to be parted, that he was willing to go past his nose. He just kept going because he knew that those waters would be parted. And so there is going to be a trial of our faith. Uh, Again, that helps us to be polished. And then also the other thing I love about holding on to that faith is Garth Brooks' song, Unanswered Prayers. And just real quick, the chorus, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. 
Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. I just love hearing you use grammar so poorly. You know, that's how you know it's a country song. <laughs> we don't care about grammar. We care about trucks and mud. That's right. <laughs> I love country, just to clarify. Music in the countryside. Yes, absolutely. And a nice little picnic with the sun shining. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so I think that holding on to faith and understanding that we are going to be tried, our faith is going to be tested, and sometimes those unanswered prayers turn into amazing miracles. Well, I have to tell you about my friend then because of their unanswered prayer situation. They moved to America from Brazil about five or six years ago, and they've lived in the same apartment since they've moved here. They moved from a very lovely living situation to a very small apartment. And recently, George went to go and sign another year on their lease. And when he got to the office, they said, oh, you're a little behind. You were supposed to sign a few days ago. And he said, I don't think that's correct. And they're like, it doesn't really matter. We've already signed a lease to somebody else. That's cold. What in the crap? Horrible. Yeah, They have lived there for the whole time they've been here. And they're in the perfect place because they have a restaurant nearby that they own. So they need to be in the area. But unfortunately, especially at the time this happened, finding a new place to rent was impossible. And the pricing was so high that they were looking at the same size, but far away and more expensive. It was very, very stressful for them. And every apartment they went to fell through. Somebody would rent it before. And they were praying and pleading, please help us find a place, preferably close by, to then okay, help us find anything so we're not living in our car or worse, living with the beer family. It's like, come on, you guys cook so good. Move in. I'll take care of you. Just cook. Move in. It didn't work now. Luckily for them. Yes, luckily for them, that did not work out. But I would have loved it. Whatever. Okay. And so they were getting to the final days of not finding anything. And Nadja said that she did get to the point where she, even knowing full well that they were told to move here and that this was the right move for them and their family, remembering that she still was like, why did we move away from everything that we knew and try to start over? Why is this not working out? Why is our prayers not being answered? We don't know where we're going to live. We have nothing. And then she found one more link to an apartment. And she just did not even care where it was at this point because they just needed a place to live. She and her husband went to go check it out. And right before, just making sure they had enough time to get over there, she put in the address to find out that it was a block away. They had no idea how close it was. Oh, that is so great. Not only was the location great, the apartment was like triple the size. And she thought there is no way that this is going to work out. (laughs) And she went, they toured it and they got it. It is bigger. It is beautiful. It is almost the same exact price that they were paying before. We had a beautiful conversation talking about that. Sometimes it feels like God is not answering our prayers for what we want because he has in store for us something so much better. I love that story. Me too. Every time I walk into their apartment, hoping they'll make me food, (laughs) I do think of it. It's a reminder for myself every time that how that worked out was a miracle. It was an answered prayer, just not the way they expected, but better than they expected. I love that story. And that's the trial of your faith. You just need to hang on. And God had something so much better waiting for them. It was just a hard wait, especially when you're pushed up against the wall like that. We just have to make the decision 
to stand still and wait because God honors prayers. Yes, he does. This leads us to our next question is how do we improve our prayers? When I was thinking about this and studying, let me pull this together. So bear with me. In Matthew 21, verse 22, it says, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. There is another verse I'm going to read to you. Search diligently, pray always, and be believing, and all things shall work together for your good. And then additional to that, I want to share with you what George Mueller said about this. He says to pray to God, study his word, and reflect. Now, these verses and these thoughts are across different religions. But what I found interesting was they're the same thing, which caused me to think that no matter where you are in your faith, no matter what your religion is, if you are trying to seek truth, you're going to get the same answer. And the same answer is to pray and to study, believe, and then reflect and you will get an answer. Every quote that we've shared, every story that we've shared, no matter what the background is, it's the same thing. It's pray, hope, believe, study, be still, and listen. So I would say, first off, you have to ask yourself if you're doing that. And George Mueller, he talked a little bit more about it, and I wanted to share some of the stuff that he shared. The first thing he said is to seek to get your heart in such a state that it has no will of its own. He said to get to the place where you can accept the will of God, whatever it may be. Next, he said, seek the will through the word of God. And I can see that he truly did this. He often in his book talks about, I read this verse and I went for a walk to ponder on it. And that example to me really did cause me to reflect if I do that as well. And I don't is the answer. (laughs) So he also said to ask God in prayer for him to reveal his will. So it's the same thing to be believing, to put forth work and effort and thought, to pray to God, study his word and reflect. I love that advice. Along with that, Elder Kevin W. Pearson said, prayer is not a negotiation process. It is an alignment process. We don't move God to our point of view. Prayer is less about changing our circumstances and more about changing us. And that's how we should be approaching it. We're not going to convince God to change his mind. He already knows. He knows what's best for us. We may not. So what we should be doing is figuring out how can we align our views with God's views and that we want to be with him and understand what he wants for us, because that's when things are going to start working out. He may not change the circumstance, but he is going to change us. He's going to change our heart. He's going to help us get through whatever trial it is, but it's going to be in the way that he can see, because he can see the whole big picture that's best for us in our own individual circumstance. And I've always pulled from the scriptures the story where the dad says, I believe, help thou my unbelief. That is a constant prayer for me. I constantly in prayer say, I do believe, help where I don't. And it's also okay to say, I'm struggling with what the will that thou hast for me is, please help me accept thy will. It's okay. He loves us. It's a real conversation. He wants what's best for us. He knows what's best for us and he will help us. I love that you said that. It's okay to go to him with questions of doubt, like help me to understand this. Help me to have faith. It's okay because he is our loving heavenly father and he wants to help us. Not only is it okay, I think he desires you to go with questions. I think questions are 
fabulous and important because if you are asking God questions, you are going to the source of truth. Just like I would want my children to come to me with important questions, He wants us to come. It doesn't mean you're doubting or you're not enough or you're not worthy to say, I am struggling with this concept. I need help. I need help understanding it. I need help to have faith in this. He wants to hear from us. And actually, President Nelson says something perfect for this that I'm going to read. Humble yourself before God. Pour out your heart to Heavenly Father. Turn to Him for answers and for comfort. Pray in the name of Jesus about your concerns, your fears, your weaknesses. Yes, the very longings of your heart. And then listen. Write the thoughts that come to your mind. Record your feelings and follow through with the actions that you are prompted to take. As you repeat this process day after day, month after month, year after year, you will grow into the principle of revelation. I'm so glad that you shared that because one of the things that he points out in there is to write down your thoughts and the feelings that you have. And that's something that I personally need to work on. I understand the concept of writing down your feelings and thoughts, but there has been a disconnect that I can do that with prayer so that I can remember it and have those thoughts and read it again. I really want to try to start doing that. I'm so bad at writing things down, but that's something I really need to work on. An example of someone who did this is George Washington. George Washington had a prayer book where he wrote down his Sunday morning prayer, his Sunday evening prayer, his Monday morning prayer, his Monday evening prayer. And he had multiple prayers for every day of the week, and he would read them every single week. So for our final thoughts, I just wanted to share one of the prayers from George Washington, and this is found at Mount Vernon, where he's from. I'm just going to read part of his Monday morning prayer. O eternal and everlasting God, I present myself this morning before thy divine majesty, beseeching thee to accept of my humble and hearty thanks, that it has pleased thy great goodness to keep and preserve me the night past from all the dangers poor mortals are subject to, and has given me sweet and pleasant sleep, whereby I find my body refreshed and comforted for performing the duties of this day. You know, I think if I did that, maybe I would sleep better. I was just thinking his is pretty flowery. I think mine's just like, dear God, please help me. Please help me more. I need more help than this. Please, please help me like that. I would agree with that. So mine will be easy to journal. <laughs> It'll just be teardrops on the paper. <laughs> all right. And all caps. So people understand. <laughs> all right. Moving on. He continues on by saying, increase my faith in the sweet promises of the gospel Give me repentance from dead works, pardon my wanderings, and direct my thoughts unto thyself. The God of my salvation, teach me how to live in thy fear, labor in thy service, and ever to run in the ways of thy commandments. Make me always watchful over my heart, that neither the terrors of conscience, the loathing of holy duties, the love of sin, nor an unwillingness to depart this life may cast me into a spiritual slumber." but daily frame me more and more into the likeness of thy son, Jesus Christ, that living in thy fear and dying in thy favor, I may in thy appointed time attain the resurrection of the just and eternal life. Bless my family, friends, and kindred. I love this prayer. And I love that he said it every Monday morning. And I think it's important to remember that if you want to write your prayer, speak your prayer, think your prayer, sing your prayer, It doesn't matter. God just wants to hear from every single one of us individually. And 
figure out what works best for you. President Nelson said, are you willing to pray to know how to pray for more power? The Lord will teach you. And that's what's important to remember is that how we communicate with God and how God communicates back to us, it's all on an individual basis. So it's really hard for me to say, oh, pray like this. This is what works for me. And Sydney to say, pray like this because this is what works for me. That's not how it works. It's up to you working with God to figure out how that's going to work for you individually, because this is so incredible. God has it tailor-made just for you and just for me as individuals, and he's going to teach us how to pray and how to receive revelation based on what works for us. I love that so much. Just as God speaks to us different, we can speak to him the way that is right for us. And that's really important to remember. Our challenge this week is to go in humble prayer to God and ask Him for more power in your prayers. Pray that you will use the desire that you have and pray to improve your prayers. And then wait and listen, be still, and let God teach you how you need to improve your prayers. And then take from President Nelson's talk to record your feelings and follow through with the actions that you're prompted to take. Change your life by changing your prayers. That is our hope and our prayer from Sydney and Cher. Thanks for being here. I'm forging my way through the tip-tip top. I'm living my life through the drip-drip drop. When eternity's plan, I just can't stop. I'm making my way through the drip-drip drop. It's blooper time. Da-na-na, hallelujah, praise the Lord Jesus. Uh-huh. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, Sydney, so today we're going to talk about the power of prayer. Yes, we are. So why don't you go ahead and explain. Was that me? That was you. Oh. Why don't you explain, share, why your volume's not down. Explain that to me. Rudy is just like attention, attention. Look at me, look at me. Throw a ball. Give me a treat. So much like Rudy, I just realized I want a treat and attention. (laughs) Okay. Is there no respect for my job? I'm a working class woman. (laughs) The text from my brothers was like, is Sydney still in this group or have we removed her yet? (laughs) Because I could hear it through the mic. I'm like, it wasn't like that. It was like a very subtle one. Okay, I don't know what Never I said. Never put together a collage of us saying we have to burp. That's why you shouldn't drink Mountain Dew. Thanks for being here.